Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to College Football Weekly. Today is October 5th, 2020. It is. It's a Monday. Uh, I'm Will Chambers, as always, to my left, Tyler Walgy. It's a Monday. It doesn't feel like a Monday. Feels good. Doesn't feel like a Monday to you? No, mm. not even close. Not after a weekend like that. I'm still living in the past. I guess man. it feels like a Tuesday to me, but it doesn't feel any better than that. Feels like Sunday's just extended. Yep. Uh, still no producer Smitty. Shout out to Smitty. We hope he's doing well. Uh, All right. All he's right. he's uh, you know well, I still don't think I don't think there's any clarification. All we know is that someone near him. Uh, potentially, you know, it was just sick and having sick. Didn't we so. say who it was last week? We did, yeah. <laughs> so uh, just, you are know, we just pretending that show never happened? I'm afraid happened? we broke HIPAA <laughs> rules. Um, no, yeah, it's uh, it's his fiance. I have but an anyway. update. I have an update. Okay. Fiance is good. She's feeling better. He is symptom-free. We're keeping him out one more week okay. just to be safe. Just to be safe. But he should be back. Ready to roll? Shout out to Producer Smitty. He yes. Will, he will be back. Producer Smitty, we miss you. Here in the Woos Media Studio next week. Um, but What do you think he's doing? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Probably playing a lot. They have a cat. They have a dog. You know, um, I'm sure he's got some Netflix to watch. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. He's it's, probably just Netflixing and chilling. It's just, yeah, Netflix. Well, yeah. do you know what that means? Because if he's Netflixing and chilling. Uh, then chilling, watching bow, Netflix, chicken, right? Bow, bow. No, that's not, that's not what that means. No? Um, no. The, You're so hip. The hip lingo. You're if, so hip Okay, so days. like, just for an example, what you would say, it might be like a... Like a pickup line. Like you ask a girl, you say, hey, you want to come over and Netflix and chill? So that's what that means. Okay. Best. <laughs> he's Googling best pickup lines. For I those am. that are just listening, Tyler's on the computer now. I bet none of these work, by the way. Here we go. Well, all right. Here's the, here's the <laughs> first one. Well, here I am. What are your other two wishes? You really need to work on your delivery. <laughs> Sorry. That I, was I, terrible. That, no, the delivery is bad. I was reading it before I had read it. That's why. Uh, here, should I read the next one? Yeah, go ahead. Hey. My name's Microsoft. Can I crash at your place tonight? Wow, an Apple guy wrote that for sure. Are you French? Because I fell for you. Eiffel. Eiffel for you. Mm-hmm. These are awful. There's like, like a 1,000% the chance that none of those pickup lines would ever work Do on a Do you girl. like raisins? Well, how would you feel about a date? <laughs> That's so stupid. That's yeah. so bad. Yeah, well, it's better than yours. Uh, yeah. Whatever yours was. I don't even yeah. know well, why no, I pulled this up. No, it's not better. If you ask a girl you want to Netflix and chill... Oh. It works, probably. Yeah, probably There's these a decent days. chance it works. Yeah, for all the kids these days. Yep. But uh, yeah, shout out to Smitty. Uh, he'll be back next week. But this week, we got a good show. We're going to cover some college football stuff. A little recap from last week, of course. We're doing Tyler's outdated movie reviews yes, for The Prestige. Tyler watched it. Prestige. Uh, if alive. you haven't seen it before, you should just like stop listening right now and watch it and come back <laughs> because it's going to be a good one. It's worth it. Yeah. You should watch it, come back, and when we get to the movie review, I will prove to everyone out there who hasn't watched the show before that I can review a movie better than most people. I make Roger and Ebert look like a couple bitches. Yeah, no doubt so, about that. Yeah. I mean, those guys are I don't know what the hell legends, but nothing compared what to you. Two thumbs up? Yeah. What kind of a system meter? is that? Right? You've got... Two thumbs. And if you don't get the two thumbs, there's not a lot of room to go. One thumb up. There's no nuance in Roger and Ebert. There's a bunch, they're lazy. They don't do it the right way. So we'll, we'll, we'll do it the right way One thumb up, one thumb down. What, what would that mean? It's just like, well, whatever. You, you, <laughs> you actually want to know. When I was thinking about how I should present the rankings, yeah. I thought about if I should take my socks off my foot on the table and give it toes. No. Yeah, it's not a good idea at all. I don't think you should do that. <laughs> After thinking about cool. it, probably not the best yeah, idea. Yeah, I don't think the people want to see your feet. I, I don't want to see your feet. you want to be around that, yeah. No, I don't. And uh, if you are watching, by the way, you're graced with... We need to talk about Tyler's facial hair right now. 
this handlebar he's got. Yeah. Tyler's got a full handlebar mustache, still with the soul patch. I kept it. And it gets wider as it goes down. It's really interesting. What, what was the inspiration for this? You know, I wanted to just do the regular handlebar mustache, the Fu Manchu. Yeah. That's kind of my go-to. But I shaved the middle. It's your go-to? Well, <laughs> I don't think I've I do seen mustaches. it before. Maybe once before. <laughs> okay. And so I shaved the middle, and I, I pretty much saw it like this. I was like, you know, I kind of like that look. Interesting. I just cleaned it up and kept it. Also, I'm watching uh, Westworld. Have you seen Westworld? Uh, I started the first season Dude. and gave it up. But I need to get back into it. Yeah. Why'd you give it up? Okay. So I have a beef with this. And everyone I've talked to, by the way, says the same thing. They all say, you just got to get past basically where you quit. I, it's just like, I think I watched like six or seven episodes and it was just like, okay, I get it. Every day starts the same, but slightly different, and they're kind of figuring stuff out. But like, what's like? It just felt like they weren't going anywhere. Right. I basically left it off where like they're riding a train to the center of the maze, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's when shit gets crazy. You should start it yeah. over again." No, you. So it is on my list to restart it because I, I think it would be like my kind of show. I'm only finishing the first season, and it's it's it does pick up after that like point. Yeah. You do have to keep going. It was but just like, all right, cool. I've seen them like start in the saloon, right, right, fifty fucking this, times now. This is kind of like a western, old style. western. Yeah, you know? I like it. Yeah, I like it a Thanks, lot. Will. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are gonna do uh, Tyler's outdated movie review, and of course, we're gonna end with best bets. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, last week, by the way, I got I went four and three. I'm only I'm ten. And, I'm ten and two now against the spread. I'm trying to get back in the positive. Ten and so, two. Ten and two. That's my record right now against the spread. I, I've been I've been keeping track of it every week. Ten and two. Sorry, ten and twelve. I was gonna I, say. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank thank you for for clarifying. That's not what I meant. Ten and twelve. Yes, I am two games below five hundred. That's where you're supposed to have your hands on the uh, ten and two. One of my losers from last week, and I feel like we should just start with it. Tyler, maybe we jumped the gun on Mississippi State. No, we didn't. And I have that in this week's handicap. We definitely didn't jump the gun on, on Mississippi State. As a matter of fact, I blamed myself for not seeing this coming. Think about it. Yeah, but new that team, means we jumped new the gun. System. No, no, new team, new system. This team just won one of the biggest games, right? National TV. Everyone's talking about Mississippi State. Yeah. Everybody's talking about Mississippi State. They just beat LSU, right? Dude, riding high, coming off of that week, now playing Arkansas, a team who has an above-average defense, good coaching staff who's seen the air raid before. Yeah. I don't know how we didn't see them not covering. I think that was very predictable, and yeah. I, I was mad at myself that I didn't see it coming. Okay, but not only did they not cover, they lost. Yeah, they lost to Arkansas. A By team. seven points, they, had, they they lost the turnover battle 4-2. to two. They still gained 400 yards. Yeah, to, to, they to, outgained uh, them by 100 and, 125. 125 yards. 275. And the turnovers were huge, but all I'm saying is that even if we, yeah, we should have seen like a hangover game from Mississippi State, all that. This doesn't excuse losing to Arkansas. Arkansas is not a good team. Well, the, Arkansas broke a 20-game SEC losing streak with that. SEC's and, tough, man. Yeah, but 20 games? Hey, that's three everyone years. Everyone goes through a bad streaks. That's a long bad streak. Look, Look. I, I, I was watching this game, and it was painful. And yeah, you, know, you, you start off with a pick six from KJ Costello at the beginning of the game. And then he had two more picks that were both in the red zone after that. And so those are huge. And if you clean those up, they probably do win the game. But, you know, I still think, look, they were favored by 17. This is a a, a game that shouldn't have been close. They should have won this at least by a touchdown. Instead, they only put up 14 points. But I don't think Mississippi State State is like this elite team. Like maybe we were being hyperbolic last year or last week when we were talking about Mississippi State. But really, I mean, 
we played the game last week, LSU, floor and ceiling. Right. If we would have had the discussion last week, well, who has the higher ceiling after the LSU loss? I would have still said LSU. Give it time. This team's going to get better. Mississippi State is an above-average SEC team. They're going to do this. They're going to have these games where they look great, and they're going to have games where they don't look great. Because, look, if you face a coaching staff who knows how to mitigate the air raid and you give them four turnovers on top of that, I don't know any game you're going to win. So I think Mississippi right. State just the turnovers killed them. You know, still, and no one talks about Mississippi State's defense. All the attention's on the offense. No doubt His about that. The yeah. defense is still good. They got some players. They for sure. So, so I think that Mississippi State still floor ceiling. I think there are there there are floors six wins, ceiling eight wins. I think that what I forgot when we were previewing the game last week was just Maybe that nine. that this Mike you know with, with Mike Leach, you get the game where he explodes for six hundred yards of offense. And then the next game, he might just lay an egg. And he did, he did that a lot at Washington. He did that at Texas Tech. And so I, I think the ceiling is much higher for him at Mississippi State. But I don't know. This one worried me for sure. We'll keep this in mind. In the future, when handicapping Mississippi State, it really matters the spot they're in, the situation they're in, and what the team's going through. So that's going to be big this year for them. Yep. Uh, just a couple news bits. Uh, SMU, Southern Methodist, Methodist. They they kicked their entire student section out of the game, ejected <laughs> the entire student section for not playing by COVID rules. A lot of them weren't wearing masks. They weren't spaced out. Georgia should have done the same thing. Did you see the Georgia student section? <laughs> yeah. It, it was, was worse. Packed, yeah. It was worse. The whole state, Georgia, I, mean, I know it's like only a third capacity, but the way they have it evenly spaced, it almost appears like a full stadium. And I was watching. I was like, all right. I mean, whatever. You know, Lee, I, I, I'm cool with just leaving it up to individual schools and states and stuff. We'll see what happens. Um, it looks just as a college football fan, I was I was pumped to see people in the stands. Oh, it looks was, way cooler. I'm pumped for the for the players too. You yeah, know? for sure. Because I think for a long time, for our whole lives, pretty much, right? Yep. The fans were always kind of looked at as yeah, important. You know, LeBron James said he didn't want to play if there weren't any fans there when this whole thing got going. Yep. They always say this, but really, when it comes down to it, I mean, I think there's a lot of athletes, even college athletes, who resent fans. You know, and, for sure. And, and, yeah, yeah, rightfully yeah, so. Yeah, and and I think that this was good for the fan player relationship because now that fans have been gone for months and players see what it's like with no one in there man when these fans come back i think the players are gonna be like all right all right you know yeah give, 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 give the fans a little longer of a leash yeah for sure yeah yeah well lebron loves his attention so that, that's <laughs> he why does. he wants to play in front <laughs> and of and he's about fans. to win his fourth championship uh, yeah, it's MVP. Still up in the air. MVP. this is a miami heat podcast officially <laughs> easy uh, um uh yeah last week was a good one uh the alabama texas a&m game we should just start with that sure Alabama dominates Texas A&M, and luckily we gave out them to cover the spread. I didn't think it would be quite this bad, though. I kind of feared Texas A&M getting the backdoor cover, but Alabama's still Alabama. Mac Jones just looked awesome. Uh, you know, it was close early. It was 14-14, yeah. and it seemed like this was going to be a game, and then Alabama, I think, scored two straight touchdowns before halftime, and then they dominated the second half. You know, Mac Jones is right now the number two quarterback on a lot of different uh, big boards. Yeah, rightfully so. Behind... I feel- uh- Boy, or uh, BYU's quarterback. Oh, um, I'll look yeah. him up. Yeah. No, uh, I know, I got his name. Or uh, shoot, I'm gonna beat you to it. Yeah, you are gonna beat me to it. Uh, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, those guys are all gonna be behind Trevor, Jones, Trevor Lawrence man. and uh, Trevor Lawrence and maybe Justin Fields too. And you got this kid from North Dakota State that everyone's freaking out about. He played his one game of the whole year this weekend. Um, where is he? Right. Um, this is 2020. So yeah, Trevor Lawrence, the top there. Yep. 
And then let's see who's second. Who is this kid from North Dakota State? Trey Lance. Trey Lance. That's the guy. So I watched this game. So he, Trey, they're playing a one-game season. They basically just played because uh, their their schedule was canceled, and this guy, you know, has a lot of draft hype. Yeah. So they just they decided to just play one game, basically to let him showcase his skills for NFL scouts. And he had like four touchdowns. He reminds me a lot of Pat Mahomes. I know that's insane to say. I'm not saying he is Pat Mahomes. Similar skill set though. Huge arm. He's mobile. Uh, he looks awesome. I wouldn't be. Some people were saying he could actually go number one. He could Get go ahead of, of Trevor Lawrence. You yeah. never know, though. There's always things changing as we approach the draft. I mean, yeah, all it takes is one, you know, GM that you know has one too many Adderalls and he gets amped up and wa- watches <laughs> some YouTube highlights and he's like, I gotta get this guy. So I wouldn't be that surprised. I don't know. It's always cool to see these North Dakota State guys coming out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Florida took down South Carolina. Kyle Trask looking awesome. Yep. The Georgia Auburn game. We were looking. I was looking forward to this game the most, and it was boring as hell because Georgia dominated Auburn. Uh, I mean it. Auburn's offense looked terrible. Bonix finally looked like how I imagined him to be. Georgia looking sharp with Stetson Bennett. What? It's not fair that you say that. Georgia could be the best defense in the country this year. And you're like, well, finally, that's what I've been expecting. It's like, dude, Georgia has the best defense. Okay, but if you're like supposed to be this great quarterback, so, so you, you should be able so, to put up more than six points. So if you're great every other game except for when you play the best defense in the country, that's not good enough for you. He's not great in every other game. But look, he I mean, he went 21 for 40 with 177 yards and an interception. That's, that's above 50%. <laughs> that's a terrible game for a quarterback. And I think it's more just that, look, I've been a guy who's been a doubter of Bonex for a while, and, and he looked pretty s- solid against Kentucky you know, uh, two weeks ago. And so this was finally like, okay, uh, this was a good reminder of who Bo Nix is and, and what his what his limitations are. I think he's going to do the same thing when they play Alabama, when they play, uh, when they play, you know, if they play Florida, whatever their schedule is. The tougher teams, he's just not going to shine. Yeah, you, you, uh, that's... I think you're a little touchy because you gave out Auburn here plus uh, seven exactly points. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I'm not happy with my bet. It was bad bet. I think that I, I underestimated that defense. Yeah. And uh, speak for yourself with Bo Nix. I'm, I'm on the Bo bandwagon. Okay. Let's go, Bo. Well, mm-hmm. I gave out the under. Mm-hmm. That hit. That was one of my winners, so yep. that's good. Boom, boom. Uh, Texas loses to TCU. Bad day for the uh, for the alleged top of the Big 12. <laughs> Both Texas and Oklahoma lose. Oklahoma lost a second game in a row. How weird is it to see one and two next to Oklahoma's name? They're out of the top 25. It makes me think what you were saying before the season. Spencer Spencer Rattler may not be, you know, the it's next. Tough. Well, because he, I mean, the dude can throw, and he's clearly got talent, I but know, he's not but mobile at all. And I think that that's that shows Oklahoma's limitations in the running game. The fact that that he can't, you know, he can't help out the running game at all. But he's also had some really bad throws, yeah. really bad interceptions. I mean, things you just didn't give from Baker Mayfield, Kyla Murray, and. I know that Lincoln Riley is a very good coach. By the way, it's so funny. I have friends and some some family that lives in Oklahoma. Yeah. You want to know what they were saying after the game? Are they Sooner fans? They are. Okay, what? Fire Lincoln Riley. <laughs> it's fans are the worst, man. Is there anything worse than, than Rabbit? I mean, they're the best and they're the worst. Exactly. Rabbit sports fans. Remember going, last year when uh, people were saying fire Nick Saban because they lost to Auburn? And every year. It's just like, losses. shut up. I, like, all of you can shut up. You don't know what it's like, man. Well... But here's the thing. You don't know what it's like for sure. You've never had a bad day at your job. You know, it's like, oh, dude, yeah. these guys have one bad day, two for bad days sure. at their job. 
cut them. But that's what I'm saying. It's like they don't know what it's like to, for you. It's been tough as a CU fan as of late. Michigan had some bad years with Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez. Yeah. And that's why when people were saying fire Jim Harbaugh even, who isn't even nearly on the same level as Lincoln Riley or Nick Saban or these guys, even I'm like, slow your roll with that because people just forget how bad it can be. And so Lincoln Riley is you know, probably one of the four best coaches in college football right now. You know, Halloween's in a few weeks. Yeah. Who, who are you going to dress up as? Well, we're, we're dressing up on the show, right? We're going to yeah, put our I, Halloween costumes definitely. on. Definitely. I don't like know. A, I think the 26th is when you record that one. Should Monday? they be like college football related? I think they should. Should, should yeah. we dress up? I think like? they should. <laughs> I think they okay. should. Sure, sure. I don't know yet. I'm going to have to think that, about that, it. I will think about it. Right. I can't wait. So if you're not, if you're just listening, that might be a show where you want to check out the YouTube channel. Oh, for sure. At CFB Weekly. Uh, you can find us on YouTube there. Uh, we'll tweet that stuff out too. So, But yeah, Texas and Oklahoma both losing. OU's out of the top 25 for the first time in four years. Uh, they got issues. Wow. Let, me, <laughs> let, me, got issues. let me ask you something, man. What is it? Like, why is it impossible for there to be good defenses in the, in the Big 12? I feel like we haven't seen a really good defense in the Big 12 in like a decade. What so, is it? I'm going to hit you with a theory I've had for several, several years. Okay. And this goes even into the NFL. Yeah. Not as much, but you saw it with Peyton Manning teams, okay? The Big 12 is a league that primarily relies on air raid offenses, right? right? There's all these different uh, spread them out, throw down field. Well, I have a theory, and again, I've had this theory for years, like a half decade, that teams who stress offense and stress scoring points and stress an air raid offense, Mm -hmm. naturally, by the nature of how teams form and evolve, you're not going to have a strong... um, a defense that's predicated on stopping the run. I mean, how often do you do you know a defense that, that's predicated on stopping the run when you're a throwing team? And the reason is, usually when you're a passing team, you need to stop the pass because other teams are throwing on you to keep up with the scoring, right? right. So you build your team to stop the pass and to be able to pass on offense. Yeah. Well, in the Big 12, when you do that, you're going to be able to get gashed in the run, which the Big 12 does run the ball more than people think, right? And defenses just look so bad. And also, when you're spreading people out, there's a much higher chance of dinking and dunking, getting your yards. And when you're you're throwing downfield all the time, in the Big 12, you're going to get a lot more uh, third down conversions that don't happen, but you're also going to get a lot more drives where you don't even see a third down because you're going down in three, four plays. So the scoring gets higher, the production for offense gets higher, and it's all the way these teams are structured, right? We saw this in the NFL. Peyton Manning never in his entire career had a great defense, right? Why do you think? Well, the year he won the Super Bowl in Denver, he did, but that 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 was the only time. And and arguably... And he was bad that year. But still, arguably, they were... What was that? His second year with Denver? No, that was like his Third fourth. That was his last year with Denver. Okay, yeah. so so arguably that, that that was you know the trajectory of the Broncos. They were going towards that more of that defensive style because Peyton Manning just couldn't do what he could do in the past, right? right? But over the course of his entire career, everyone ba- uh, blamed Bill Polian. Oh, he didn't surround anyone. Pay you didn't surround. No, Bill Polian got people who could stop the pass. Right, that's what mm-hmm. he said a lot, and so. I just think that when you build a team that is so predicated on passing, which all the teams are in the Big 12, you're just not going to have a tough defense that that's, that that's that makes their money stopping the run, and it's a great, great defense. Now, I think if anyone does come in there and try and flip the script, they could have some success, right? Yeah. Iowa State, for a lot of years, had that really good defense, but yeah. then they get Brock Purdy, and then they start... But it, it goes away. And I, I just, just don't... I don't believe in a conference not having... A good defense, right? That, that, that's just ridiculous. Like, don't you think this is a conversation every preseason? 
all these great offenses, how are we going to stop them, right? And you're telling me not one defensive coach in the last, like, however long, like, decade can come up with it? Now, obviously, there have been a couple good defenses here right. and there. Well, okay, here's my opinion. And I think there's a ton of truth to basically every point you made, except what I think has happened is that I think, because traditionally, you know, go back 15, 20 years, a lot of these teams had really good defenses, right? But what happened is the offensive game evolved more than the defensive game. So then, like you said, a lot of these Big 12 teams started just go air raid, throw it around all day, and the defenses didn't evolve with them. And then what I think you're really seeing, especially in the last, like, let's call it six or seven years in the Big 12, is that because those defenses didn't evolve, now they're just getting torn apart by all these different Big 12 offenses, right? And then it becomes a thing where where it's hard to recruit talent there because especially now, like if you're a five-star kid, why would you want to go and play in the secondary for Oklahoma when you know that they can they can give up? You know, because you said that they're better at stopping the pass. They're not even great at doing that. They give up points to everybody. And so... What what happens is that even if you bring in good coaches, they're not getting the same amount of talent that you're seeing in the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten even. And I and it, then it snowballs from there because then you can't get talent, then you can't keep up, then your defense is getting worse and worse. And now, like I mean, I just if you were a five star safety and you grew up in in Texas, like what incentive would you have to go to any Big Twelve school well, well, when, when you're getting recruited by all of the the other best schools that play good defense and you have a chance to shine and, and improve your draft? your NFL draft value, you know, cause there's probably some kids that go to those schools that have a ton of potential and could be good, but then they just give up a ton of yards every week. And I think it just, it ends up snowballing. The worse it gets, the harder it becomes to bring in talent. And then that makes it worse. And it becomes this vicious cycle. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think that that has a lot to do with it. You know, everything kind of works together here. You know, when these teams see each other during the week and they're practicing, they're practicing against these other offenses. And usually in the Big 12, you're going to see offenses kind of similar to yours, right? I mean, not identical. Yeah, no, you're right. So you're seeing the same thing a lot. You're you're, you're practicing that passing, uh, you know, defense. And I would love to, when I'm I'm able to do so in a couple months, uh, do like a, a study on this. A deep dive on yeah, it? Yeah, a deep dive. I'd be see, really interested. Because I have a feeling, and just a feeling, but I have a feeling that that's overblown. And I, the Big 12 I don't defenses think so. Maybe, well, I don't... I, but, I mean, yeah, I get it. Like, you know, I, I don't know. It's we're all, both kind of talking, yeah, yeah, talking exactly. out of our ass here without evidence. But but, but I just... I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, I would just want to see that. I know? just think that if, if it was as simple as the offenses are better in the Big 12 then you would see, like, why have we not seen a Big 12 team show up in the playoffs and because, not give up a ton of points? You know what right, I mean? Like, every time Oklahoma has, has shown up, they, they keep making the, the, the playoff, and then they give up 50 points a game. Well, but that, that, you know I, I think mean? that's the thing, is, is they don't have a defense who can stop the run. And when you're one-dimensional oh, on I defense, I think it's way more than that. I think I think they're getting gashed through the. I mean, look at what look at what. Uh, I, this is just one example, obviously. Look at what LSU did to Oklahoma last year. They had like 50 points on them by halftime. Joe Burrow had six touchdowns. Well, by LSU halftime. was the best for offense sure. in the history right. of the sport. But I just, if they were really geared to okay. to pass, maybe to I'm overdoing the, pass, the whole. I don't know. Maybe I'm overdoing the. They can't stop the run. Right. But these defenses, they're not used to. 50-50 football, where the yeah. offense and defense and special teams, it really is a third, 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 right? Right. In, in the Big 12, it's like your offense, offense is like is 80% of everything, yeah. you know? And so, but Oklahoma also usually scores a lot of points when they get to the playoffs. They just yeah. give up a lot of points, too. Yeah. Yeah, I just, like, it's just weird. Like, it, it, it makes sense for some of the smaller schools, like why Baylor and TCU can't, but, but I don't get why we don't, uh, every once in a while, every once every three years, have an Oklahoma or a Texas team that 
that has a really, you know, a top 10 defense. When was the last time we had a top 10 defense in the Big 12 but look ever? Up, I'm looking up major bowl games OU's played in the last several years, right? Yeah. Uh, 63 38, 45 34, 48 54, 35 19. performances on defense. Yeah, but, but, but my point is the if focus everyone, is if everyone played in the Big 12, I think everyone across the country would have these numbers, right? Interesting. So, so we, we, when they played Georgia, well, 54 48, we don't say right. Georgia's a bad defense, they get caught up in that style of football. So I think if everyone in the country played the Big 12 schedule, we'd see these games all the time. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. It probably does have something to do with the fact that, you know, the whole conference is skewed that way offensively. I just think that it's weird to me that uh, especially at Texas and and Oklahoma, they can't find a way to get a shutdown defense just like once every now and then. I know, and, and, and you, you know? figure they would be able yeah, to. Yeah, I know. But, Dude, but- if, you give, if you give Oklahoma let's say just the third best defense in the sec just one of these oh, last few years the they, they, the they might win the championship yeah, last exactly. few years with lincoln riley in that offense so i just don't get it get um, a little shot of uh Layla over here but to get past that uh we had a lot of top 20 or top 25 teams go down ucf lost to tulsa that was a crazy comeback tulsa was down 17 um we talked about mississippi state losing oklahoma state how about your oklahoma state cowboys go Tyler? pokes you Still know, I, I was not a believer, especially after their first couple of performances. But now after seeing Oklahoma go down, Texas go down, uh, Oklahoma State's got to be the favorite in the Big 12 right now, right? And you were telling me it yes. was all over. It was a mirage. Yeah. I never lost my hope. Well, Spencer Sanders came back and he looked awesome. It was Kansas, caveat, but still... <laughs> They, they destroyed Kansas 47-7. to But this is the perfect recipe, like I said. Yep. They needed to build this offense up and gain confidence week by week. By the time they play, they, they have a, I think they have Baylor next week, right? Uh, I don't know. Let's see right here. They've got... Um, I think they're off this yeah, week, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, by week, this week. And then they've got... At, and then they're at Baylor. Okay. Um, and then they've got uh, Iowa State at home. I mean, that's going to be a big one, man. Iowa be, State looks pretty tough. No, they do, but this team could be five and zero going into t- into the, to the uh, Texas game on Halloween. Oh, that's exciting. Ooh. Well, and then the last team that was finally ranked that lost. So it's funny when we were doing our our uh, handicaps, our breakdowns uh, in last week's show, or maybe this was two weeks ago. Whatever it was, for when Pittsburgh played Louisville. One of the the details I gave out was why I ended up picking Louisville was that. Pittsburgh head coach Pat Narduzzi, every year he's bound to just shit his pants in one game. And it ended up being, of course, of <laughs> course it's the game that you don't expect because NC State's garbage and they got, you know, their asses kicked by Virginia Tech. Pitt loses to NC State at home. They give up 30 points. They lose by one point. Now they're out of the rankings. It's like, I, like, this is why I just have no faith in Pat Narduzzi. You know, he'll probably beat Clemson this year too. I feel like he's good for that. Every every year he's good for one game with a major upset and one where they look like shit and they lose to someone they shouldn't. And this year it was NC State. You called it. So they drop out of the top 25. Do you have any... Uh, what called it. Looking at this week's new top 25 in the AP... Tell me your issues, Tyler. My issue is North Carolina at number eight. Give me a break. I know the rankings are a little off this year because some teams didn't play. Some teams started a little higher. North Carolina may be the most overrated number eight team. They only have two games under their belt. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. So who would you? Obviously, you'd put Oklahoma State above them. Oklahoma State's a ten. I would have Tennessee above them. I'd have BYU. But here's the thing: I wouldn't have all these teams above eight, right? I would have North Carolina like. 15 16 okay. right yeah but i think that you so, don't think they're like awful exactly but, yeah. so i think these teams should be above 15 16 okay. byu tennessee 
Um, I mentioned uh, even like, what do you think? Of, oh, you mentioned Oklahoma State. Yeah. What do you think about Cincinnati? Okay, I was just going to bring that up because I feel like every year there's like, who's the dark horse to make the playoff? If there's two dark horses that I think maybe have an outside shot, especially with how we've seen the big tw- some of the Big 12 top teams struggling, I think the Big 12 could kind of eat each other up. It would be Cincinnati and BYU. Cincinnati's, you know, BYU is undefeated. They're three and zero against the spread, three and zero straight up. They've been, they've had huge victories, not against anyone great yet. But right. then you look at the Bearcats. They've actually played a tough schedule. Uh, they beat Army. That's not an easy game. They, they they held Army to ten points. That's an option team, and they just beat South Florida. You know, that's not a great team, but that's in their conference. I think they're the best team in the American right now. I think, I think that they have a a tougher schedule though going forward than BYU. You look at BYU's remaining schedule. They're independent. They really don't have a lot of... That's why I think BYU will probably be undefeated at the end of the year. Do you think they... Uh, I do. I, I think they'll be undefeated. I think they, they have a, an outside chance at making the playoff. <laughs> I mean, they look really good. Like, we got to be fair to the Cougars here. They looked awesome against Navy. They've looked... They're dominating everyone. And you look at their schedule, it's not great. Cincinnati has some tough games. They still have to play Tulsa, who just took down UCF. They got to play SMU, who's a tough team. Memphis, the AAC is awesome. The AAC is full of really good teams. I think that top to bottom, the AAC might be better than than the Big 12 right now because the Big 12 is struggling. And it's not that the top of well. the AAC, AAC is as good as the top of the Big 12, but the bottom and the middle, I like. look at the teams in the American. There's SMU is good. Memphis is good. Uh, Tulsa is good. UCF, Cincinnati, you know, uh, that's a that's a really good conference. That's a bold statement there, Cotton. I think I'm not saying uh, definitively, but I really think if you were to have some kind of a a conference tournament, I think the AAC could give the Big Twelve and maybe the Pac Twelve a run for their money. Honestly, well, look, what matters this year is who makes the the champion or the Final Four, right? Yeah. And are they going to expand it this year? Like, what have you heard in terms of an eight team? No, playoff? they're not going to expand it. I, I do think that we will eventually see that in the next few years, but it won't be this year, especially with everything you know, with it being a COVID year. I don't think they're going to make any changes. I think they're just going to be happy if they can get there. So it's going to be Clemson, Alabama, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think Alabama wins. You the, really the think SEC. BYU could be one of the four? Well, teams? let's say like everyone in the Big let's Twelve. Let's say it's lose. Clemson wins the ACC, Alabama wins the SEC, and let's just give it to Ohio State in the Big Ten, right? Mm-hmm. Then it, you, it could be undefeated BYU versus a two-loss Big Twelve champion, maybe a, a two-loss Pac twelve champion. Yeah, you, thank you. No, I, I look. I'm just saying. I think that the Big Twelve could eat. You know, they kind of eat each other up. You know, Texas. What Texas? Oklahoma might be a three-loss team on Saturday if they lose to Texas. If Texas loses to Oklahoma, now those are two teams that have two losses. Can Oklahoma State go run the table? Yeah, maybe. Or maybe they slip up somewhere, right. and then you have an undefeated BYU team. Yeah, their schedule wouldn't be great. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible. It's definitely possible. Because I don't think the Pac-12 is going to bring anything to the table. We'll see how Oregon looks, maybe. Cincinnati's Will's Dark Horse. No, well, if Cincinnati runs the table, I think they do make it in. I'm saying BYU is the has the BYU. better chance because there's. I think BYU right now, I'd give them a 60% chance of going undefeated for sure. You know what they say, always take the dark horse, <laughs> even in right. horse racing. Yeah, where did that term come from? I don't know. Do we know, know the, the term of the dark? Is it just because... I think like, it's from... Uh, in horse races, people would just prefer the lighter horses and the dark horse no one would, would bet on and there would be value be. there. That has to Something be. like that. I mean, are you a big horse racing guy? Uh, no, I've been to one horse race and I won. Okay. I won. I, I placed a three dollar bet on the horse with the with the longest odds. It was like forty seven to one. It, it was awesome. This is my first. This is my first experience gambling in general. Forty-seven to one. I was in San Diego. I went to the Del Mar racetrack. It was something like that. It was it was astronomical. Oh, they, yeah. they were. It was the, the the you know the the horse with the with the worst chance 
and I picked that one. It was number three. I remember that. I don't remember its name. And I put, I put like a three or four dollar bet down on it. It was the last race of the day. I had lost all my bets before that. And it comes out of the gates and it's like the slowest horse, right? <laughs> like there's a pack of horses and then my horse all the way in the back. And I was like, great. And then as the as it went on, you know, it comes around the second turn and he starts to climb on the outside. And I was like, oh my gosh, three, let's go. Third turn, he is climb. He's like mid middle of the pack now. <laughs> he's coming around the turn. He comes around the last turn. He wins by it wasn't like by a nose, but it was close. He won by like less than a horse length, and he won. I started going nuts. Hell yeah! And it paid out like a hundred and thirty something dollars. I bought huge. drinks for everybody. Hell yeah! Yeah, it was great. So that was my only <laughs> time horse racing. Uh, can I play you my favorite horse racing call of all time? Yes, please. Right, so it's about a two-minute call. So okay. if you guys don't want to do this, just fast forward right along. This is my favorite horse racing call of all time okay. because of the name of two different of horses. Course. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard this? I think maybe. I I'll think play. I might know where this is going. They're off. Little Miss Macho had a bit of an awkward like that, start. Man. Little Miss Macho. My wife knows everything broke well. Oh, yeah. Lady Butata is up and on the pace. Rojo's tune is out third. The wife doesn't know fourth to the outside. And Alini's hope is fifth as they move for the first turn. The on the far know. outside, Little Miss Macho is going on. After that tardy start, all the way up to battle with the leaders. And Little Miss Macho is second. Fast quarter. forward a little bit. So little Miss Macho. Get to the good call. Past the half mile pole. Lady Mutata by a length and a half. That's a good name, too. Lady, Lady Mutata. Mutata. <laughs> in second. Sounds like uh, after that comes what a My psychic wife knows everything yeah. in third. On the far outside, uh, the wife doesn't know is moving up. <laughs> and it's now fourth and right alongside of my wife knows everything. My wife knows everything and the wife doesn't know are moving <laughs> together on the far turn. And they're coming after Lady Mutata coming to the quarter pole. Lady Mutata in front. Here come my wife knows everything. And the wife doesn't know on the far outside. <laughs> Little Miss Macho is fourth. They're into the stretch. Lady Mutata, my wife Last knows turn. everything. Center of the track, the wife doesn't know. Into the final furlong. My wife knows everything. The wife doesn't know. They're one, two. <laughs> of course they are. My wife knows everything in front. To the outside, the wife doesn't know. My wife knows everything. The wife doesn't know. Uh, my wife knows everything. More than the wife doesn't know. Uh, my wife knows everything. <laughs> Always a winner, by the way. What's that, what's that <laughs> right. stupid cheesy saying? Happy wife, happy life. I'm sure it's true. Your wife yeah. knows everything. That's a that's my a classic. My wife knows everything. Do you think that my like, wife doesn't know? Maybe like it was the same owner, or is that just coincidence? I think it was just pure coincidence, man. That's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> favorite of all time. That's great. Uh, any other games you want to recap before we get nope. into your movie review? I'm good. All right, we got Towers outdated movie reviews. It's time. We're doing the Prestige. This is a movie from 2006. It's a Christopher Nolan film. Uh, very highly rated. One of my favorites. Tyler, I think you watched it just today. Is that right? I watched it today. Okay, let's hear it. Let's get into it. All right. First off. By the way, sorry, sorry, sorry. Spoilers ahead for if you haven't seen it. This movie does have a twist. If you haven't and you're, you want to see it, you don't want to listen right now because there will be spoilers. Correct. Fast forward till we're done. Uh, spo- a twist? Yeah. Dude, there's 75 twists I know, in this movie. Right? All right. First of all, I hate, I fucking can't stand movies where it ends and you go, Huh. What just happened? And you have to look up a whole bunch of stuff. Was that your feeling? Yes, here? for 30 minutes after the movie ended, <laughs> I'm on my phone going, did he really die? Did it? Wait a minute. Wait, who drowned? Okay. Overall, good movie. Yeah. Good flick. I would recommend it. I felt like it was a little cheap, though. A little cheap. cheap. It seemed like, uh, now, it How seemed so? a little bit down the road of The Sixth Sense. Now, most people are going to go, Tyler, Sixth Sense, that's one of the best twists of all time. But I'm going... 
Okay, and should I give away the like the big ending? Yeah, like, should I give away? So Christopher uh, Christian Bale, yeah, his character has a twin, yeah, and that's how he's doing these the magic tricks the whole time. Man magic trick, yeah, yeah. And so it, I get it, I get it the whole time, but it's just like at the very end, very end of the movie, it's like, oh, okay, well there were two identical ones of him, great, right? You know, it's kind of like the sacrifice. Yeah, it's kind of like the movie of the skeleton key. You know, the skeleton key. They're giving you all these different. It's a who done it. Right. They're giving you all these different people, and at the end, it's like, oh yeah, it's that one guy who we saw for three seconds at the beginning of the movie. It's like, come on, that's the that's come on, give me better than that. I love the movie. I thought it was good. I thought it was great. Actually, I love the actors in it. Yeah. You get uh, who's the oh, what's that guy's name? Is in Batman also? Oh, uh, Michael Caine. You you know will. I feel like I do quite a good Michael Caine impression. Uh, you sound like a young Michael Caine. You know, the young voice Michael is different because he's older. Well, how about this? You know, that's Batman, not bad. You can't shave Gotham all in one night. When <laughs> Gotham doesn't need your body, it needs your soul. Gotham doesn't need your body, <laughs> Batman. It needs your soul. It's not terrible. Yeah. It's not terrible. So he was great. Look, I thought that the way that they kind of brought the whole magic thing on, I, I was skeptical at first, right? Mm-hmm. It's a movie about magic. It was really cool. Right. The way they yeah. did it. The tricks and everything. They don't tricks. give everything away. Absolutely. I like how they were uh, putting putting a little bit of historical fiction in there with Tesla, yeah. Thomas Edison, yeah. the back and forth. David Bowie had. playing Tesla, by the way. Yeah. 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 So that, that's, that was my one real issue with it is okay. I finished it and it's like, and I'm not like one of those people who gets lost in movies. I follow movies pretty well, but I ended it and I was just Googling for 30 minutes. Overall though, good movie. I like the twists. It, it, it keeps you right in it the whole time. It's kind of sad though. You know, it's not, not sad necessarily. No, it's, I mean, yeah, there's, it is kind of a downer, it, a bummer. A little bit of a bummer. And, and yeah, the guy, uh, one of Christian Bale's, one of the twins, his wife dies. She, she, you know, she takes her own life. You've got, uh, obviously, one of them has to die for a murder he didn't commit. He right, gets framed. Right. So all I'll say is that that movie, and I've said this about other movies you've done, but I think this one especially, it's worth a second viewing because what you end up seeing is that once you know what the twist is, which is that he has a twin, the amount of insane foreshadowing, they basically are screaming it the whole time, but you don't know. you don't know it. It's because his personality, you're so different all the time. One day you that, say you love or me. Like, or there's a scene at, towards the beginning where he's doing a magic trick with a bird, and this little boy, uh, he, he sees the magic trick with the bird, right? They kill the bird, and he brings it back, and the little boy goes, where's his brother? Like, there's little things like that where the amount of foreshadowing is really cool, and then... I saw another like cool thing online where it was like, you know, the the basis of every magic trick they talk about in the movie is the pledge, the turn and the prestige is that the movie is set up like that. There's like the first third of the movie is the pledge and there's the turn and then there's the prestige. So it kind of brings everything back. Maybe I'm just not smart enough for it. And the one of the other twists, I didn't catch this either, but I read it online is that Hugh Jackman's character, right? Uh, he you know, he's killing himself basically because he actually gets the machine to clone himself because he's on this quest to figure out how uh, Christian Bale's character is pulling off the trick. And he actually gets Tesla to make this machine for him to where he can clone himself. And uh, everyone talks about how at the end, you know, he also has like a, an alter ego, this Lord Kudlow guy. But then when he gets shot at the end, he's still talking in that guy's voice, which really means that he is Lord Kudlow and that the Robert Angier, the magician, is actually like his pseudonym. Like he actually was this rich guy, and he he takes on the role of like this everyday you know magician guy. But that Robert Angier isn't even actually the real him. It's Lord Kudlow or whatever. I don't so know. It's a trip. Who ends up like winning in the end? I was so confused by. It. I'm like, wait, 
who got who here? Oh, well, you know, one of the twins, you know, uh, uh, Christian Bale's character, right? Because so he ends up... But, but, they, but they all lose. They're kind of both losers at the same time because this dude, you know, Hugh Jackman's been cloning himself and killing himself over and over and over again at yeah, every single show, dude, drowning himself, which also bizarre. is like he, the reason Wait, why he's so drowning he drowns himself. drowns himself every show? Yeah, but you, you want to know why he yeah. does it? It's because his wife drowns at the beginning and he wants to know, like, he he's so torn up. That's where this whole competition starts. Remember how his wife drowns in that accident? Yep. So... So he and and uh, Michael Caine's character said it's like going home or whatever, and so I think that he's kind of torturing himself for you know for the loss of his wife by drowning himself every time, and he doesn't know if he's gonna want be the one drowning or if he's gonna be the one that comes out of the machine clone. Side note: one thing I noticed really missed a golden opportunity utilizing being able to clone yourself. You know, he keeps killing <laughs> off his clones. You could just get a lot done if you could just clone yourself, keep one of them alive, get something done. Dude, I think about you that know? all the time. Like yeah. with, with the amount of like work that I'm doing, I'm like, awesome. if I could just have another one of me over there. Yeah. Except you know what? If I had a clone, I think I would drive myself crazy. Yeah. I would just... <laughs> you end up hating yourself. Oh my God. Just be self-loathing. Like, this is me. Even more than I, I hate am. me. Yeah, I'm the worst. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about that. It was good, though, man. And I, I will admit, I told you earlier, I follow movies. Yeah. That may have been a magic trick and a lie of my own. I am the guy in the theater. You don't want to sit by me during a movie because I'm going, wait a minute. Wait, wait, who's that? Is Who that is that? Guy? Did he die? I thought they killed him. I thought that, wait, is that the same guy? <laughs> I hate people. No, I used dude, to- Shut up. I'll tell you after the movie. Okay, okay. I dated a girl wait, for a while wait, wait, wait. who would do that, and it, I, to the point I got to the point where I was like, "You're not allowed to talk," because she'd be like, "Wait, did he die?" Like, right. And it would annoy the shit out of me, be like in the most important part, and I'd just be like, "Oh my gosh!" But I will say that the prestige purposely kind of leads you down this path where you don't know where you're going, and I don't like that feeling. You know, yeah. I like being in control and knowing oh, where you're yeah, going, and I'm not like, "Well, it'll tell me in the end." I don't like right. that. I don't well, like and that. with all like almost all Christopher Nolan films outside of like the Batman ones, is that like a lot of times you're seeing like three different timelines play out simultaneously and you don't realize it until the end. And he does that in this one too. And that's why I would say the rewatch is way better than the first one. The first time you see it's cool and then you rewatch it and then you're like, wow, this is actually really awesome. Well, after the first time viewing it, um, for those who don't know, I give a different scoring system every week. So it's always different. Yeah. This week we'll go football helmets. Okay. I'm going to go out of 10. Okay. I'm going to go, 8.6. That's good. That, that might be helmets. the biggest you've yeah. given so far. For and we've sure. done some, I loved some it. big movies. I thought it was very good. Yeah. Now, all I ask is that the next one I watch, let's have it be an upper because I don't okay. like to... Okay. You know, I, I pretty much only exclusively watch comedies. Yeah. You know, TV shows, movies. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. I'm kind of the opposite. I, I, I love enough, like dramas I got and dark stuff. stuff going on up here. I like to escape from <laughs> I'm that. I'm like for a glutton while. for the dark <laughs> movies. The dark, the darker the better. 8.6 uh, football helmets. Okay, cool. Well, I like it. That's a good one out there. If you haven't seen it, uh, highly recommend Prestige it. Prestige worldwide. I even though we just gave up all the spoilers. Are we um, gonna Are we gonna pick a movie for next week? Uh, maybe. Or are we, we can do this every other week. Yeah, or yeah, whenever. We can just do it whenever. I didn't know that we had, but yeah, we could do it every other week. Care, yeah. Maybe we'll, there's a film that I haven't seen that you need, and then I can do a review too. Okay. We can, let's figure that out next week. We'll figure it out, Will. You tell me. All right, let's do best bets. Best bets. Let's do it. All right, uh, a lot of good games this week. Oh, Whoa, see what happens when I'm on control? Oh, where is producer Smitty when you need him? Right. How's that? Is that Perfect. Nice? Yeah. Right, we, got, we got a little background for the best bets Where now. is producer Smitty when you need him, dude? I'm all over the place over here. I'm searching for stuff. I'm getting the audio to work. Come on. He's give me a little alive uh, or dead from COVID. We don't really know. <laughs> um, first game. First game, uh, Louisville at Georgia Tech. ACC. Right now, you got Louisville favored by four and a half. This line open at six and a half. Louisville has burned me twice now, and they're 0-2. Georgia Tech, they're 1-2. They got their lone win over a really bad FSU team. 
both teams don't love to play defense. Uh, both teams can move the ball on the ground and have dual-threat quarterbacks, but the passing game is where they differ. Malik Cunningham for Louisville, he's definitely not been dominant by any means, but he's found the end zone through the air seven times, uh, once on the ground. Jeff Sims, he's a true freshman, I believe, at Georgia Tech. He's only got three passing touchdowns and eight interceptions through three games. Really hasn't been great with the ball. I think Georgia Tech will be able to score on this Louisville defense, but they won't be able to hang. I think Louisville pulls away late, finally gets the win, and I think they do it by a touchdown or more. I'm taking Louisville four and a half here. Yeah, I don't have a very big opinion on this game. I will go with you. Uh, look, Louisville has not looked very good this season, like you said, yeah. and this could be the one where they uh, break through. Each team, though, they have reasons why I want to play on them, want to play against them. I still think Georgia Tech is like the biggest enigma in, in the country, just because it's a brand new team. But, right. Um, it's a big pass for me. I will defer to you for this one. If Louisville burns me a third time, they are officially dead to me, and I won't pick them the rest of the year. Don't uh, don't do it to me, Cardinals. I was going to make a joke, like, don't play with matches. Don't bet on – I no. Don't don't play with fire. Move on. Uh, next up, speaking Move of games, teams that burned me and burned us, we got Mississippi State at Kentucky. This is my best bet. Can, okay, how about that? All right, Kentucky, two-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Uh, it's hovering right around three, depending on where you're looking. How do you cap this game? I'd li- I can't wait to hear what your uh, your your handicap of this game is for your best bet. I just don't know what version of Mississippi State we're going to get each week. Kentucky's 0-2 thanks to a missed point after against Ole Miss in overtime last week. Uh, Mississippi State, they're 1-1, but uh, they, they win the game against Arkansas if K.J. Costello doesn't throw three picks. Kentucky kind of seems like they finally figured out their offensive philosophy against Ole Miss. They're running it. They ended up with 300-yard rushers in that game last week. And But even though the story, I think you're probably going to say this too, Tyler, the story in Starkville right now in Mississippi is the air raid offense, but the Bulldog defense is totally flying under the radar, and especially their run D. Uh, Mississippi State, they're giving up just 71 yards per game on the ground, two yards per carry. Uh, against LSU and Arkansas, the run D has been – uh, solid, very solid against both these teams. Mike Leach offenses aren't much of a threat on the ground and Kentucky through two games is allowing opposing quarterbacks to complete 71% of their throws. They let Matt Corral for Ole Miss last week get whatever he wanted. All this to me adds up to Mississippi State having be, like being the better matchup on both sides of the ball, so I don't get why Kentucky is favored by three here. Uh, is it just home field advantage? But home field advantage can't be worth three points in the COVID era, right? There's no fans. They're not right. not a full stadium. I think the biggest question mark in this game is can Kentucky make long drives, keep the, the Mississippi State offense off the field? They've dominated the time of possession in their first two games. If they want to get their first win here, they'll have to limit possessions. I don't trust the line because I think Mississippi State should be favored, but they're not. But I'm too stupid to know a trap when I see it, so I'm taking Mississippi State plus three. This is not a trap. And you you said something earlier in your uh, handicap that Mississippi State, we don't know what version of them we're going to get. I think we do know. I think this is somewhat not completely predictable because we don't live in a computer. Well, we might, but that's for a different show. Yeah. But <laughs> I think that it is fairly predictable on a week-by-week basis. And like I said to start this week's podcast... I really kicked myself for not seeing more of uh, that coming last week. I think I just got blinded from the yeah. Mike Leach, the, the the supernova that is Mike Leach, right? But here's the thing. Again, last week, bad spot for them, but they lost the turnover battle 4-2. to two. Did you know teams who lose a turnover battle 
lose against the spread 70% of the time. We're talking college football here. If you turn the ball over more than your opponents, you will lose against the spread 70% of the time. That's huge, Will. So really, when you're predicting college football games, a huge part is who's going to win the turnover battle, right? I don't think Mississippi State keeps this up. Now, KJ Costello learning the offense, learning the receivers. I think what we saw last week from KJ Costello probably his floor for the entire year. I don't think he's going to be that bad again. Okay. They outgained Arkansas 400 to two, 400 yards to 275 yards last week. Yep. So it's not, they outplayed Arkansas greatly. They should have won. If you just look at stats by a couple touchdowns, but the turnovers killed them. Kentucky on the other hand. Okay. This is a team whose defense usually keeps them in games. Last couple of years when they've been somewhat competitive, it's because they can play defense. Their defense is not good at all, giving up 35.5 points per game this season, and they can not stop the pass. Here's a stat, Will. Last week against an old Miss team, a team who, by the way, wants to throw the football. Ole Miss will be a pass-first team, I promise you. They, or Excuse me, a run-first team. I promise you that. Ole Miss. Oh, they, yeah. They ran the ball, I think, around 40 times last week, threw it 25, okay? Uh, they let Matt Corral throw for 320 yards, yep. four touchdowns on 24 of 29 passing. If you don't think Mississippi State can recreate what Ole Miss did last week, right. you're crazy. So this is a good matchup for for, for uh, Mississippi State. We're getting two and a half. I think they could certainly win this thing outright. Bad matchup for Kentucky. I lean over two. But 55 right now. I oh, sorry, lean, 58 and a half. It's moved up. But here's the thing. I'm not going to bet the over because we just talked about how good Mississippi State's defense can be, and I think they're a little underrated right now. So if this defense shows up, I don't want to get crushed or beat on an overplay when I had the whole handicap correct to begin with. So that's why we just go Mississippi State plus a a two-and-a-half. And on top of all of that, uh, uh, Cavosier Smoke, running back for uh, Kentucky, out. And he really carries a lot of that workload on offense. So everything seems to be falling in place here. Best bet of the week, Mississippi State plus two and a half. Does it worry you that as of now, 70% of the money and 80% of the tickets are on Mississippi State? No, because Sharps bet early. You know, squares don't bet until Saturday. Right. So if you look at that number later in the week, uh, it could be a big deal. But what that says to me, a lot of Sharps, a lot of professionals getting on this early. Okay. That's the best bet from Tyler there. I'm on the same side. Mississippi State plus three. Uh, by the way, that that number's moving around. Right now it's two and a half, but uh, I'm sure you can find it You know, if you shop around. Yeah. Next up, we have a top 10 matchup, Tyler. Hey-o. First top 10 of the year. Not sure it'll be a top 10 matchup in a week, but we got Miami at Clemson here. Yeah. Clemson, a 15-point favorite. Both teams 3-0. and Both teams with two blowouts. Clemson, it's obvious. Trevor Lawrence, Dabo, Travis Etienne. Everyone knows about all, you know about Clemson. We all know Clemson, right? Wondering if we're getting a bet board game here. We didn't have one last week. Miami, no, we didn't have a bet board game. I hope we do. Miami has been awesome this year. Derek King has been the hero for the offense. Uh, their new offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley, has been great. He came over, I think, from SMU, somewhere in the American. Uh, he's, you know, Derek King's having a good year. Seven touchdowns, no picks, and the Hurricane offense is balanced. They've got big plays through the air. They have a rushing attack that's averaging six yards per carry. And they had last week off. So they got two weeks to prepare against the defending ACC champs. Love what Miami has going for them. But I think the Clemson D is set up really well against the run. I think they're going to shut down this Miami uh, run game. They're allowing just 90 rushing yards per game, two yards per carry. They're going to force De'Eric King to beat them. And while he's been really impressive and fun to watch, he hasn't faced a defense even remotely close to Clemson's level yet. Combine that with a Miami defense that did farewell against UAB and a really bad Florida State team. 
but gave up 500 yards of offense and 34 points to Louisville. If the Cards don't turn the ball over three times, Miami might not even win that game. Clemson will not be as forgiving. This is the marquee matchup where Dabo loves to motivate his guys. He knows that style points matter in the playoff discussion. He could very likely keep his starters in late, I think, and even if even if they're up big. So 15 points doesn't scare me here. I'm laying the 15 for Clemson. I think this might be the lowest spread you can get for the Tigers in the ACC all year. We've got a bet board game. No way. We're putting okay. it on the bet board. Love it. All right, so here's my handicap with Miami. When you look at advanced stats, right, yards per play, yards per play in the end zone. By the way, for those who don't know, yards per play is maybe the most important stat in all of college football. And what you want to do is look at a combination, right? It's not just on offense. You want to see yards per play on defense and then do a, uh, a little regression on that and see who the best teams are overall. Yards per play, one of the big, a big factor. Well, when you look at yards per play and a couple other advanced stats, Miami is just as good, if not better than Clemson, in many of these stats. Now, I know the schedule, you can actually make an argument that both teams have played a decent schedule so far, and this is going to be the real game where we see how good they each are, but we know Clemson, right? We know how good Clemson can be. Everyone in the country knows how good Clemson can be, and when I handicap a game, I always like to say, if I walk into the closest bar, right, and I ask someone, Clemson, Miami this week, how many people are just going to default to Clemson because how good they've been, Dabo Sweeney. We all just assume, college football fans at least just assume, they're going to have the talent to, 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 to cover, right? Yeah. I don't think that's the case this year for a couple reasons. I think Clemson has taken just a half step down from where they were last year. A lot of missing pieces uh, went to the NFL. A few coaches left too, which I think is an underrated thing for the Clemson staff. I don't trust and I don't really have the same faith in this year's Clemson team that I did for the last several years. I mean, we're going back to the Deshaun Watson days. I loved betting on Clemson. I made a lot of money on Clemson in my, in my career, and this is not that team. At least I haven't seen it yet. And what I love is when I see something on TV and the narrative's kind of going one way, and then I look at stats and data, and that's telling me a completely different story. What the stats tell me is Miami it's not as good as Clemson, but they're just a half step below them. We talked about the coaching staff. Clemson letting, letting a few people go on the coaching. Well, I should say getting stolen from Clemson. Yeah. They didn't let him go. Right. I think that uh, Manny Diaz has done a great job surrounding himself with talent at Miami. I mean, we're talking about, I think, one of the best uh, complete coaching staffs in the nation. They've turned it around could be the best coaching staff in years, and Miami's actually ahead of Clemson in yards per play. Their defense is fast okay and that's something that doesn't show up in the data i think this defense one of the fastest defenses miami's had in a long time will be able to keep up with clemson and in the past clemson is just kind of over kind of dominated yeah. in these type of matchups i don't think they can do that to, to a miami clemson is also as i said one of the most public teams still favored by minus 15 and this is going to be a big square teaser option what a lot of people are going to do is want to take Clemson down to single digits. Right. Make them minus nine, minus eight. So given that, given the amount of volume that's going to come in on Clemson, I don't know why the books haven't done more shading towards Miami. I think that this is a uh, really inflated line. I like it all the way up to 14 and a half. I'm not saying Miami wins, but this is going to be a much better game than a lot of people think. Miami plus 15. I think a lot of professional gamblers agree with you. You just look at right now the, you know, Clemson's getting 52% of the tickets. Miami's getting 81% of the money. Right. That, that means a lot of big sharks are coming in. They're they're putting a lot of money on Miami right now, so they agree with you. I just don't, you know, I, I think the Miami defense, even though it's fast, 
you know, the fact that they gave up 500 yards to Louisville, I think what can Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne do to that? So we'll see. Uh, I'm glad we got it on the bet board. We'll see. So that's a good one. Uh, hopefully I don't end up 0-4 to start. I'm 0-3 <laughs> right now. Next up, staying in the ACC, Virginia Tech on the road at North Carolina. Tar Heels favored by 5.5. This is an interesting matchup, I think, of strength on strength. Virginia Tech, they're 2-0 and with wins against Duke and NC State. They've been able to score some points in the process and doing a lot of damage in the run game while they try to figure out who is going to play at quarterback. Hendon Hooker might return. He was the starter for most of last year. Or you could see a mix of Braxton Burmeister, great name, and Quincy Patterson. North Carolina has been really good against the run so far this year, but this is likely their first real test against a good running team. Uh, we've seen a good balance of run and pass from the Tar Heel offense so far this year, but we haven't yet seen the explosion from Sam Howell. This guy was talked about as a Heisman potential. Uh, you know, he's being talked. He's only a, a true sophomore. People were saying he's future NFL bound, and we haven't seen that big passing game yet this year. Only two games, though. I think the COVID cancellations had an effect on this team. They haven't been able to get into a regular game week rhythm until now, having a, a game last week before this one. I think this is the week where we could see a big explosion in the passing game. Virginia Tech returned a ton of starters on defense, but they also gave up 24 points to uh, NC State and 31 to Duke. North Carolina has to be better offensively than both those teams, I think. Uh, The total in this game is sitting at 60, which tells me there's a lot of points in the forecast. All we need is UNC to win by six at home. So I'm taking the heels here, minus five and a half. Yeah, you know, uh, you know both these teams a little bit. Well, you've done better with these teams this year. You seem to have a nice pulse on North Carolina, so I'll defer to you here. Also, I think it's a good spot for for a UNC. Last week, they did not show up against Boston College. So two things. Yep. One, you're going to have the public saying, they almost lost to Boston College. You really think they can cover against uh, Virginia Tech? And you're going to also have the team saying, guys, last week, bad week. Let's bounce back, show everyone how good we really are. right? Yep. So I think both those factors, I'll go with you, UNC. Yeah, you said it, man. Uh, UNC, they picked off the two-point conversion to tie it up late. Yeah. BC was really in it late, You know, really had a chance to win that and game. And hey, so. when you win those games, which yep. UNC did, nice wake-up call. For sure, definitely a wake-up call. Uh, next up, move to the SEC. Big matchup here for the SEC East. We got Tennessee going on the road at Georgia. This line is currently 13.5 in favor of the Bulldogs at home here, hovering around 14. Both teams 2-0. Tennessee throwing an eight-game winning streak dating to last year. Georgia struggled on offense early in the year until they found their guy under center in the second half against Vandy, Stetson Bennett. Since he took over the offense, uh, since he took over the offense, the dogs have looked great both on the ground and through the air. They dominated Auburn last year or last week. Tennessee's defense, I think, is a little better than Auburn's, though. Uh, This Georgia defense will be really tough for Jarrett Garantano, the starting quarterback for Tennessee. And while I like the balance of Tennessee's attack, they run the ball a lot, they throw the ball pretty efficiently, I don't like Tennessee's chances if they get down early. I think they need to score early in the game so that Garantano doesn't have to be in obvious passing situations all day. If they can do that, I like their chances of covering the 14 points here. Sorry, yeah, this is still 13 and a half, sorry. I like their chances of covering a 13.5, but the bet I'm taking is over, over 45. It opened 43.5. It has since moved up. I think this number isn't done climbing. I think Georgia can easily score 30 here, so all we need is Tennessee to score 14 or more. I'm going over 45. You want to know what's funny is I didn't have a big bet this game, but I do have my notes. You can you can read it. I'll highlight it for you. Yeah. You can read it right here, and I, I kind of break everything down. What, what, what does that say? What does it say? 
If not, love the under. If so, pass. So, my handicap is... Bet board? I don't know. I'm going to have to think about this one because Georgia has an elite defense. We talked about this earlier in the show. They're giving up 3.7 yards per play. That's yep. good for like the last five years in college football. And I don't think that's like an early season, small sample size thing. I think this defense is very, very good. Right now, third in the country. Yep. Tennessee, top 25 in the same stat, but they played South Carolina, Missouri, two teams that I just don't know much about, right? They could be very good. They could be terrible this year. Georgia's played Arkansas and Auburn. So Georgia has to have the advantage right there. This is what everything is about in my handicap. Will Georgia score? And that's what you read. If not, if Georgia can't put points on the board, I love the under because I think Tennessee, I, I, could, I could see a 2014 final here, yeah. right? But if Georgia will score and if Georgia can find a way to move it on Tennessee, there's just too many question marks right now for me to have enough faith to make this a bet board game. But okay, that's cool. I really want to. You can think about it. We can come back to it. One thing I was also going to say is I've seen, you know, we're here in Colorado. We can bet on FanDuel. Mm-hmm. I saw this number as low as 12 and a half for Georgia. I'm all, if you can get it under 13, I like Georgia there to cover the spread. Obviously, I'm, I'm basically going to give that out only as a caveat. It has to be under 13 for Georgia because I do think Georgia is just that much of a better team here. But the, the main bet I'm giving out here is over 45. I think we see I think we see Tennessee. Look, there's something about Jeremy Pruitt. I really think he's got this Tennessee program humming. And I don't think that they have enough to win this game. But I do think he'll come out with a game plan enough to score some points. And I'm, so that's why I'm going over 45. If Tyler wants to make it a bet for that's up to him. I just... He, I doesn't, feel, I feel he like doesn't love it, folks. I don't love it. And I feel like it's square to say, I feel like you're going to see one of those SEC defensive matchups, right? Why? What the hell would I say? Well, we see them all the time. I mean, I've got a similar cap for a, a bet coming up here later on. So um, sometimes it is just a gut feeling. And uh, I know that that goes against almost everything that you, your process for mm-hmm. betting professionally, mm-hmm. a ton of my caps are, are you know, feel, having that gut feeling. So we can come back to it if you we'll, want. We'll come back. We'll okay. circle back around. Uh, next up, the Red River Shootout. Oklahoma versus Texas. Game is in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Right now, Oklahoma, a two-point favorite. We got a total of 70 points. That's a lot. That's a lot. Even for the Big 12, that's a lot. The Red River shootout has never felt like such a downer to me. Oklahoma's lost two straight. Texas is lucky to only have one loss going in uh, with this loss at TCU. They almost lost to Kansas State the week before that. Uh, which one of these two teams is going to get a goddamn defense? You know, we talked about it earlier. It just annoys me. We're talking about premier programs that should be able to recruit at a high level and get high-name coaches, and neither team can ever just, like, teach their players to tackle. It pisses me off. Uh, this Texas team feels more feels like more of what we saw over the last couple seasons. Hot and cold streaks uh, on offense. Uh, Sam Ellinger just carrying the offense. It's basically we go as he goes. I do think the running game is a little stronger this year for the Longhorns, unlike Oklahoma. This Sooners offense may have a guy who can throw it. Uh, you know, he can throw it anywhere, and that's that's the usual for Oklahoma quarterbacks. But Spencer Spencer Rattler. You know, what he can't do is bail the team out with his legs. Last year, when this Oklahoma team couldn't run the ball, or hand off the ball, I should say, Jalen Hurts was constantly bailing them out with his legs. We saw Kyler Murray do it the year before that. That's over. That's gone. Spencer Rattler, while occasionally he can break off a 15-yard run, it's just not the same thing. We have a, a, a very one-dimensional offense. He's not a threat on the ground like Hurts or Murray was. Uh, both teams have been pretty good about keeping opposing quarterbacks off schedule, uh, com- completing less than 60% of their passes. 
Both have shown themselves to be vulnerable on the ground this year, too. And I think that plays in Texas's favor. If this game comes down to who can run the ball, this is the first time in years that I think Texas has the advantage over Oklahoma. I think Texas limits their turnovers after last week. I think they control the pace of the game. I think they win the time of possession battle. And I think Herman comes away with the win for the first time in three years. Give me Texas plus two and a half. Yeah, unfortunately, this is like one of the biggest games this weekend. That's right, two points, plus two. And the moment I saw it, I was like, who fucking knows, <laughs> right? It, it, my my uh, Mississippi State bet has a lot to do with the spot that team's in. Right. Well, Oklahoma and Texas both coming off losses, yeah. both need wins, it's a rivalry game. There's so many contradicting factors in this. I just hate this game, and it sucks because I wanted to give a strong pick, but I don't have one, if anything, Texas is going to be in the same spot OU was in last week yep. where they only have one Big 12 loss. They're going to look around and say, as long as we can take care of business against Oklahoma State, we should have a chance to make the final or the, the playoffs. You know, that, It was a tough loss last week, but I think if Sam Ellinger... I mean, look, if they don't fumble it on the one, they win that game. Yeah, no joke. So I think if Sam Ellinger does what I think he will do, you know, settle things down, not get too worked up, look forward to this season, I think Texas actually will be in a bit of a better spot. And I mentioned it earlier in the show, I think Spencer Rattler, we're kind of learning that he's not, he doesn't have the it factor quite yet. Maybe he'll get it. He's young, right? But yeah. he doesn't have that it factor that I love to bet on. I think Sam Ellinger does. I think that this Texas team is just better in general. So I will, uh, we'll go with you here. We'll go Texas plus okay. two. Okay. The only thing that does freak me out about that is that, is that Oklahoma, I mean, what are the chances they lose three in a row? But, Lincoln but, Riley loses three games in a row. We've never seen that before. But I, I like playing the whole sociological thing. Right? Right. I know a lot of people don't love that, but if you lose one game and you still have a chance to make the playoffs, that's I guarantee you. In a program like OU, it's like one of they're like an SEC program, kind of like in the yeah. Big Twelve. They're a playoff program. Oh, for sure. And you walk around that campus, and you just feel it. It's just different. They lose one game. I promise you, man. The sentiment around Norman, Oklahoma, the last week before last week's game was we got this. We got this, guys. Yeah. One loss, not a big deal. That loss last week was the knockout blow. And I could see a seriously dejected OU team coming out this week with no fight left in them. So Maybe, yeah. you're right. How often do they lose three games in a row? But how often have we even seen them in this spot? There's not a lot of data to look back and say, right. okay, after a couple losses, how does OU bounce back? Yeah. So I like Texas. Okay, plus two. Plus two there. Plus the two. Um, Alabama at Ole Miss. This one's pretty simple to me. Uh, Alabama, 24-point favorite on the road here. Bama can blow this Ole Miss team out of the water whenever they want to. And, they, and then they can take out their starters and give up the back door like they do all the time. Saban yeah. loves to, to bring in the backups, do some crazy stuff, and give up that backdoor cover. I also think Saban doesn't want to run up the score on Lane Kiffin. I think there's too much mutual respect there from Kiffin's time on the Alabama staff. So I'm looking for the first half line when it comes out. I haven't seen it yet. Should be Alabama right around 13, 13 and a half, maybe 14. If you can find it under 14, jump all over it. I'm taking Bama first half. 13 and a half or less. I don't have a very strong handicap here, so I'll go with you. Okay. Uh, Florida at Texas A&M. First time these teams have met since 2017. We got Texas A&M, a seven-point home dog. Home dogs are Is cooking. It still seven? Yes. Okay. Uh, open six. Oh, okay. And that's seven. This A&M team has serious problems in the secondary. They gave up 435 yards and four touchdowns to Mac Jones, and this matchup against Florida isn't much better. Kyle Trask, the Florida quarterback, he's been lighting shit up, completing 71% of his throws. He's got 10 touchdowns and just one interception, but it's not quite the same. Alabama takes way more deep shots in the passing game. Mac Jones averaging 16 yards per attempt to just 11 for Kyle Trask. 
the Gator offense. It's shorter throws, but they have so many playmakers, you know, they can move the ball around a lot. The best, best of all being their tight end, Kyle Pitts. This is a Florida offense I think can score on this Aggie defense for sure, and that will once again put pressure on Texas A&M quarterback Kellen Mond to keep them in the game. He hasn't been great, uh, hasn't been efficient. And Florida's defense, you know, Florida's defense hasn't been as dominant as some of the defenses we've grown accustomed to seeing in Gainesville, but it's not going to be easy for Kellen Mond. I think this game won't be a runaway. I think Florida is able to get the win, but I don't see both these teams scoring more than 25 so this is kind of that gut feeling I was talking about before. I'm going to take under 57 and a half. That's where this total is sitting right now. Interesting. Will's going under. I'm going to lean, lean, lean just so slightly to Texas A&M. Okay. I don't love this game. You guys know I don't, you know, I, I'm going to be adamant about the games I like, you know, and I'm going to put money behind. But uh, this is one where, you know, seven seems like a good number to me. Home you know? dog. Yeah. Getting, getting seven points. Yeah, but... Florida's is is a different Florida team and and yeah. like Clemson I think a lot of people bet on what they've seen so I think a lot of people are going to say you know I think I honestly think the the public maybe on Texas A&M here you know interesting okay. but early money coming in on Florida yep all lean 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 A&M I don't have a, a great handicap on this game it's just too many things that I can't predict so you know, Florida's good this year but I think Texas A&M they're going to have a game, and everyone's yeah. going to say, oh, okay, I get right. it. So this could be that game. I just don't think so. Lean, A&M plus a 7, though. Total has actually climbed up to 59. So get it under. Wow. We'll give it out under 59. I like it even more. Yeah. So uh, last game here, Florida State at Notre Dame. I have one to add when you're finished as okay, well. Okay, cool. Notre Dame, 21-point favorite at home here. This is really not an in-depth cap. I'm going to fade Florida State until they show us anything that proves otherwise. I think Notre Dame can dominate this Florida State team. I'm not sure Florida State's going to even get on the scoreboard. I mean, they didn't even cover against Jacksonville State last right. week. Take Notre Dame all day. I don't even care if it gets up to 23. <laughs> uh, I'm going Notre Dame minus, let's see where this number is right now as I'm speaking, 21. Notre Dame minus 21. You want to hear my Lou Holtz? Yes. And they put their pants on the same way we do. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's another one of your good impressions. I like it. All right, I'm going to go with you with that game. I don't have a deep handicap. Okay. All right, my final game, and I love this one. Well, Let's love, hear love, it. love, 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 love. Give me, give me, give me. Again, my best bet of the weekend is Mississippi State. This is a close 1B. I'm going to go Kansas State. Plus 10 at TCU. Okay. Now, here's the deal. What did everybody in the country just watch happen? TCU beating Texas, right? Well, I got a little stat for you, Will. A little stat here. TCU, dating back to 2012, when they joined the Big 12, they've played Texas now nine times. Do you want to know their overall record? Not against the spread. Their overall record. Eight and one. Seven and two. Seven and two. Seven and two against Texas in nine years. That's big. Do you want to know what they've done the week after they've had the seven wins? <laughs> oh, boy. Right? So the seven times they've beaten Texas. They party. The week after, they are two and five. Oh, not against the spread. Love it. Straight up. They are one and six against the spread. Love this it. This is a team that always gets up for Texas and always disappoints after they play the Longhorns. Now, they're giving up 10 points against a very, very good Kansas State defense. The last eight years, K-State and TCU, talking about history, they're 4-4. Four and four. Against the spread, K-State 6-2. and two. People don't understand. This Kansas State, this, this is a good Kansas State team. Good coaching staff. They get... They get a lot of play. You go back and look at recruiting, man. Yep. For some reason, people want to go play at Kansas State. I don't get it. Because of Chris why, Kleiman, I think. It probably is, and I don't get why they can get all these players in Kansas with with uh, uh, 
the less, Mad Hatter, less, yeah, less miles. they still aren't getting any traction, but I digress. They always play TCU very well. TCU does not play well after they play Oklahoma. Kansas State offense this year, by the way, they've looked very impressive. 17th overall in yards per play. TCU is like 45th in the same stat. Look at the defenses, right? Both underwhelming. Kansas State, not a very good defense. 6.2 yards per play, second worst in the Big 12. Uh-oh, Tyler, that's not very good. Well, who's the worst in the Big 12? TCU. Interesting. Everything falling in our favor here. Kansas State getting 10 points. They may win this thing on the road. We'll take the 10. K-State, my 1B better the week. And do you want to, have you thought about if you want to go under 45 for Tennessee, Georgia? Do you want to make that a bet board? I'm not or no? going to. Okay. And, and my, my reasoning for that is I saw the early sharp money coming in on the over, so I'm not going to play that. Okay, makes me feel good. Last thing I want to give out. I'm going to start doing this. All right. I am a square. Tyler is a sharp. Perfect square parlay of the week. I love a, it. A perfect square has to have four right angles. We're given a four, <laughs> a four pick parlay here. Okay. Louisville money line, Florida money line, Texas money line, Georgia minus thirteen. That's the one, the, the one spread game here. That's currently plus seven hundred odds. That's Ooh. my perfect square parlay of the week. Love it. That's Let's plus, go. That's Let's plus do it. Seven hundred, folks. I'll get you there. I, <laughs> I like right. it, man. All right, uh, that's that's, that's it for the show. That's done. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at CFB Weekly. Follow Tyler Walgie on Twitter at Tyler Walgie. That's W A L J E. I am at Will Chambers CFB. Producer Smitty, who's not here, is at Woo's producer, W O O Z E. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe on YouTube at CFB Weekly. Tell a friend, help us grow the show. We're going to be here for the long run. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>